The episode today is a replay from Fringe Legal Edge. This is something that is broadcasted live on Fridays at 11 a.m. Chicago and 5 p.m. UK. Just in case you're not able to make those times, we wanted to present the conversation for your complete entertainment and enjoyment. Before we get started, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Fringe Legal Newsletter. This is a weekly roundup of interesting things. Every Sunday, I send out an exclusive email with three to five of the coolest things we've explored that week. It could include exclusive content, sneak peek at future projects, books, articles, or new hacks. The emails are available only if you subscribe to the newsletter, and more than 530 people receive it every single week. You can join up at fringelegal.com slash newsletter. It's completely free. This is your first time with Fringe Legal Edge, and this is a very special episode of Fringe Legal Edge. And normally we have one guest who talks to us about different ideas and practices that will give your practice, whatever that might be, a edge. Today, I am joined by six wonderful guests most of whom I have never spoken to before. So this is going to be a really fun episode. I will tip my hat to Deb for inviting her friends along for this. And I'll I'll give a brief introduction. We have about 30 minutes to try and get through a lot, but this group of uh, exceptional women are authors, one of the many authors to a book that came out recently called Networked. There's 20 of them in total, and they met at the beginning of the pandemic through various stories, we'll get to some of them today, and came together, they discussed ideas, they shared thoughts and experiments of all sorts, uh, and they wrote a, what I would think is an anthology. And as I've been digging into this over the last week or so, uh, I feel like, even though I've never spoken to most of them except Deb before, I feel like I already know you all a little bit, but, but for those that don't know you, if we wouldn't mind doing a quick round of introductions, um, so, Deb, you're on my virtual entity from my screen. Would you mind keeping us off? Hi, I'm Deb Better. Um, thank you so much for having us on and letting me bring my friends today. We're super excited to be here. There's a whole gang of us. And I am a business development um, coach and strategist who work with lawyers to help them bring in consistent clients. Winter? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Winter Wheeler. I am a mediator, arbitrator, and former civil litigator, and I am located in Atlanta, Georgia. And so basically what I do is I assist people in resolving disputes. Awesome. Laura? I'm Laura Gregory. I'm in the Boston area. I am a insurance coverage and bad faith lawyer primarily representing insurance companies, and I'm also an elected official in uh, the town I live in, about 25 miles north of Boston. Cool. Uh, Sherry? Hi, everyone. Sherry Bellitz. I'm Zooming in from New York City. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me and having us. I am a lawyer who went back to school at night to study jury research and psychology. And now I help teach lawyers how to apply psychology to their litigation practices. Awesome. Uh, Lisa and then Kristen, if you can hear us. Yes, thank you. I'm Lisa Lang and I'm currently the general counsel at Kentucky State University in Frankfort, Kentucky. I've been there for three years and prior to that, I 
specialized in civil litigation. Good afternoon. It's afternoon here where I am in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Kristen Helkiotis. I am a former prosecutor. I was a prosecutor for 15 years. I am a community volunteer and I am a criminal defense attorney. What I do can best be summed up is that I am the Sixth Amendment for my clients who are charged with everything from traffic offenses to first degree murder. Amazing. And uh, I sent a note to this group before we got started uh, yesterday, actually last night, saying I've purposefully uh, not included any sort of agenda because I wanted to take a page from Deb's book, as she wrote in her, uh, in her chapter, that she just wants to bring people to the table and just have conversations. So that's the purpose today. But if you wouldn't mind, I'm really curious, can and any of you and all of you, because you all have stories around this share, this all came about because of a LinkedIn group, as I understand it. Uh, and you all had different stories. Some of you had been part of forums uh, looking for support as you had twins. And as I'm a twin myself, I can certainly oh. uh, protest that this is, that's a tough gig to have. You came together through this forum. You know, what was the, I suppose the, the moment that kept you coming back to it and then made it a productive thing? Sure, do you want me to take that? Yeah. So it was the beginning of the pandemic for me. I think we all joined at different points during the pandemic. I joined really right after as New York had become the epicenter of everything. everything was closed. I received a networking invitation and I was thinking, wow, that's like pretty irrelevant right now. I can't even leave my house. I'm not leaving my pajamas. Anyway, so we re I received a networking invitation and just went down the rabbit hole to see what it was about. And it was very strong, professional, ambitious women, lawyers up from every different um, type of professional background, different parts of the country. And at first I was just an observer, a listener. I wanted to see what everything was about, what everyone did, and then dove right in. And it started really as a professional networking group, but I think it became a little bit more personal and it really became a support group, at least for me. And these women helped me build my business. I started building my business in April. They helped me build my business and they also offered emotional support at a really difficult time in the world. Yeah, and I actually really liked you talked about, uh, and I, I called this out, how uh, you got some advice to stop referring to your business as your side hustle. Um, <laughs> and that resonated with me because I think there's a lot of people, as I said, thinking about their passions uh, and they don't want to fully dive in, uh, but they think about that. And Winter, I know you had that, you had that yourself where you had decided that mediation was the way uh, long time ago, it seems, uh, from reading the chapter. And as I said, I don't know any of this information. I just feel like I know you guys from reading the chapters, but, and, but it took really quite a critical moment before you could really dive in properly. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got that completely correct. I had always wanted to be a mediator, and I knew it was going to take me a long time to get there. I needed to practice law for a long time to be the best mediator that I could be. And so when I got the opportunity to start mediating, I knew that I could, I could do that and practice law. It was not really feasible <laughs> to do both. I didn't really have the time to do both. And, uh, but I was going to try. I really was going to try. And uh, everything happens for a reason. And so 
I think you can't ever be comfortable where you're not supposed to be. And so things got more and more uncomfortable for me in that law firm. And so I just said, you know what, it's time. I'm going to, I'm going to make that leap. I'm, I'm going for it. And it is the best decision that I've ever made. And I met the ladies pretty late. I think it was June. I first met Sherry and then met everyone else. And I, I just have to, to say the, it, basically the exact same thing Sherry said. Everyone has just been supportive and offering advice on how to build a better practice and how to find clients and how to approach clients. And Deb, Deb has been incredible with that. Like she's, she's always asking me those questions but what about this? What about that? I'm like, Oh God. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I have, I have to be forced to think about it or I won't. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the things I really enjoyed uh, about reading this book and I really dove into it was it doesn't, it does it's not just all things turn out well kind of book, although that's the, ending message for a lot of the chapters or certainly a hopeful message in all the chapters. It really, and each of the chapters are what, like six, maybe eight pages at max, but they are so well and eloquently written that they draw you in with the stories and you feel the emotion coming in, at least for me, of look, things weren't going well at a lot of times. I think Lisa, it was your story about uh, when you first rushed us sorority years ago and you just went from the front door right to the back and found the exit you didn't have a very good experience and what I resonated with was not so much that but when you had been practicing for a while you're like networking is going to be easy I have a career I know what I'm doing and still it was a terrible experience until it became virtual uh, so I, I don't know if you're going to talk more about that but I think just the idea of doing this virtually which is super important and relevant right now is I think it's an important message to get out there that people should show up. Yeah, and I do think that, I think Laura and I were probably um, the longest standing members because I was involved with, with a core group of women prior to the pandemic. And yeah, prior to the pandemic, yeah, I really felt really supported and lifted up by these women because yeah, I, I remember it being November and I went to that event and I was like, oh my God, I still suck at this. And so I almost felt like I give up. I've had it. it. And then I started engaging on LinkedIn and it was so helpful to me because when you're a general counsel, it's not more like when I was in a law firm and you can walk down the hall and talk to five other junior associates about your experiences and what you're going through. And so LinkedIn prior to the pandemic was really great for me because it gave me the opportunity to start building relationships with people that could relate to what it was that I was going through. And I really started leaning heavily on the group when um, we were coming back from spring break and we had gotten the news that we were going to reduce our operations and um, not bring our students back home for spring break. And it was surreal and eerie. Um, those first days when we came back on campus, it almost felt like Armageddon because when you are on a college campus in the spring and the band is out practicing and students, there's jubilance. And 
I, I was left without that going to work every day. And then, and then it, it, it going home at night and, and it was very isolating during the pandemic. So I literally felt like these ladies saved my life during the pandemic and, and after. Yeah, I think that's absolutely amazing. And I guess one of the questions and, and Chris and Debbie haven't got to yet or Laura, but one of the things at least that I hear a lot from women specifically, and I, I don't know if I'm ashamed or not, but I can't relate to it as much, which is the imposter syndrome aspect of things. And I think that's certainly, I speak to my wife about this all the time, where I have a very arrogant view of the world sometimes, you know what, I'll do it, I'll figure it out. Uh, and sometimes, and I'm that kind of individual, but sometimes you do need that push. You need someone to challenge you or to give you the confidence to say, actually, it's okay if you haven't got things figured out, you can still try something. Uh, and it sounds, and as I read through all the different chapters, that's a, a very present theme where each of you became the support network for each other, uh, not just encouraging to do something, but also actually saying, it's okay, that's an idea worth trying. Yeah. I, I would definitely yeah. true. And I think it's also a reminder that you don't have to know 100% of a topic to talk about it with intelligence. <laughs> and that this group for me was very helpful in uh, reminding each other that we've got this and we really do know what we're doing. And even if there might be a question that you couldn't answer or that you could come up with a question that you might not be able to answer, that's okay. Because whatever you're doing, number one, they're probably not going to ask that question. And number two, if they do, it's okay to say, that's a really good question. We need to figure that out and go on to part two. Yeah, and uh, I, think for, I think, Laura, it was you that sort of grew, uh, not just your following, but sparked a hashtag as well as Deb, I think, sparked a hashtag as part of this. But, you know, it seemed like this became not just, let's come and discuss ideas, not just a think tank, but you guys almost became family and you, you know, you shared your celebration, especially when you I think got reelected as well. As a, yeah, and you know, it's just small moments. And that was amazing because ordinarily after an election, I would have some sort of a party that evening with the people who supported me. And of course I couldn't do that. We weren't even at that point allowed to have like more than 10 people outside. So this was what I got to have, which was great. And I hadn't even thought about it. And somebody's like, of course, we have to have a Zoom party for Laura. And I was just like, these women are amazing. I couldn't come up with a way to do it for myself. And they came up with, with a way to do it for me. So it was awesome. And Kristen, I know, well, other than your love for corgis, uh, which I already connected one of my friends to you <laughs> by, on LinkedIn, we'll talk about that another day, but it, it sounds like you had all of this energy and excitement, but it was on a completely, this isn't sure about LinkedIn, but it was all on Instagram. So what was that transfer like? Because it's a very different audience. You're going from being extremely open and personal on Instagram to a bit more professional. Doesn't mean that you're less open. What was that like? I, I think that is true. There's a dichotomy there, but at the same time, like I'm me and I've got my personality. And if you like me and you like my personality and you want to send business to me, I, I love that. My target is really the same. It's other attorneys who are going to refer me business in 
my jurisdiction. And so it's worked. I, Instagram has fed me business. LinkedIn has fed me business. And it, it's just a neat time. And there's ways that you can adapt content from one platform to the other. And I like the challenge of figuring out the best way to do that. And I liked, I think you shared a very stoic post from Olivia as part of your chapter on your circumstances at neutral. That, that certainly resonated with me as well. And I think for those listening to this, of course, all these women are amazing and the book's really is well worth reading. I think it's also useful because as I've read the book, other than just the stories, there's some really great ideas in there on how you try different marketing ideas as you said, you are critical, you are the sixth amendment to a lot of your clients. So how do you make that become a reality? How do you help people understand that? So there's a lot of uh, really good practical marketing advice I would suggest to have people read. And uh, Deb, last but not least, and we can, yeah, basically, by the way, my purpose in this is to speak as little as possible. I want you guys to be talking all over each other. But Deb, I loved your chapter not just the story, but I love that there was unexpectedly for me recipes at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us, you've been on the show before. Uh, we've spoken about your uh, bringing people together and how well you do that, certainly in, in virtual environments. But expand a little bit more on this concept of bringing people around the table just to cherish the conversations. You know what? I think that what we love to do and like the real great business that can be built, right? Is when you're working with people that you enjoy and you know. And through my childhood, which I talk about in the chapter, but also through some amazing mentors that I've had over the years, I would, I can remember this one woman, you'd go to her house for a big committee meeting and there'd be the most beautiful spread of food ever. And I one time asked her, I was like, I don't get it. Like I come in here and it is like the most gorgeous food that you could ever imagine. And she said, I'm here to tell you you give somebody something to eat, they sit down, their differences melt away, they start to talk, we will have resolution within an hour. She's like, it works every time. She goes, you have, and she goes, it's always key to make it a little interesting, something to talk about. It's going to be a different, I can still remember like certain dishes that I've tried to recreate from her because it really was key that you could bring people to the table and they would laugh, they'd stay longer. So when whether it's this group, we always joke that this group is like a coffee shop that's open 24 seven. There's always somebody around to talk. You can be having a crisis at one o'clock in the morning with a kid. And if you pop on and say, I'm losing my mind, three little heads pop up that say, I'm here. What do you need? Or I think my kid just swallowed this. What has anybody done? And everybody who's already been there jumps in with an idea. So we are at the table with each other. We are hanging in there. There's I think I might've joked the other day that we're like that family Sunday dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, which is coming up, but there's always the person who's like throwing out the, what are we going to go get? And we're all in it together. And then there's the person who's the, you know, saying, okay, let's make sure we have a plan. And then there's somebody else saying, who cares about a plan? We're going forward. And so we all, we all have our roles and it changes from day to day on topics, but that's, I love bringing people together. And this has been the most fun surprise of the pandemic you could ever imagine. I guess since this started with the book for me, at least, 
And by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, the book is called Networked. It's on Amazon. I read it on my Kindle because I can highlight lots of things, but you can get in paperback and all that kind of stuff as well. What did you want people to get out of reading that book? Why did you guys do it in the first place? I guess I can speak to that because it was just very spontaneous and really an organic process. We were just chatting on the thread. Like it was late one night in the summer, like just in the middle of the pandemic and just we were chatting and it was actually frustrations about kids. I remember it was Jamie was trying to potty train her daughter and we were just going back and forth and being really silly and just trying to help her out and bring some levity. And um, so, so we were joking. We're like, Jamie, you should write a book about that. And I'm, I'm not going to say, um, I'm, I'm sure this is a family channel. So I will not say <laughs> what the book should be, would be called, but we had a little name for the book and what it should be called. And then I had been thinking, I'm a literature nerd, and I don't know how familiar everyone is with the Decameron, but it was a book that was written by Boccaccio in Italy in the 1300s during the bubonic plague. And it was about a bunch of young adults who went to the countryside outside of Florence to wait out the plague. It was very similar to this one, the social distancing and just the contagion. So they went to the countryside to get out of the city and they amused each other by telling stories. They each told stories about the human condition and each store, each story made up a chapter and the Canterbury Tales was actually based on the Decameron. So I had that in the back of my mind. And I also had another book in the back of my mind. It's called More Than 85 Broad. And it was a book that was written by executives at Goldman Sachs. It was an anthology. Each woman wrote a chapter. And it's called that because 85 Broad Street is the headquarters of Goldman Sachs. I don't know why, just it came together in my mind. And I said, why don't we write a book? We'll all do a chapter. And if we could get 10 people, I think it would be great. And I remember Deb was the first to raise her hand and I barely knew her. She was new to the group and she's I'm in. And just little by little, everyone, and that's really like very indicative of the group. Like we are hand raisers, write an article, I'm in, appear on a podcast, I'm in. I don't care that I'm so packed, I'm so busy, I'm in. And that was really the genesis of the book. And I think one of the beautiful things about the book is, so my superpower, my strength, and we all have our superpowers. Mine is creativity. There was no one knocking on my door to say, Sherry, can you start the LLC? Will you keep track of expenses? No (laughs) one was looking at me for that, but everyone had a superpower. I would have never been able to get a book done. I maybe have ideas and I want to talk about the Decameron and do all sorts of analyses in my head but wait the ella we need an ella we need a contract what are you talking about and so everyone re- cover art graphics like are you kidding me so everyone really took their strength and they leveraged it and it came together and anything that was needed okay you need an llc we have a tax lawyer you need contracts read this group of people read contracts oh this one's a super young millennial. She'll do the cover art. She knows how to do the graphic. Like it was just really beautiful. And I think it's a larger theme, how a group of women with different talents and 
I know where I lack and I know what, what I'm good at. And it didn't matter that I lacked in the tax department or the LLC department because there was someone to pick that up. It didn't matter that I didn't barely knew how to use Zoom. There was someone to pick that up. I think the hashtag stronger together is just so perfect for how this all came together. We all leveraged what we were good at and, and what we weren't someone else was. So that's an overarching theme of the book as well. Yeah, you know, and I, that's amazing. I want to jump in and say, sorry, Deb, I just want to jump hey, in and say that I was, I don't know, maybe the last person to say, yeah, I want to be involved in writing a book. I just didn't think that I could do it correctly or as well as I would want to. And it was definitely Laura who said, perfection is the enemy of progress. Just do it. You can do this. Just do it. And so I want to personally thank you, Laura, for <laughs> encouraging me because I'm very happy I did it. <laughs> I have a battle with myself that I have to finish things. Like you can't just keep editing to make it perfect. You just have to be done at some point. <laughs> it's like a, a mantra in my head. I just shared a little bit of that with you and we all need to push every once in a while. <laughs> I was going to say that years ago, and this story actually just occurred to me yesterday, that years ago, an older attorney that I had met said, women, when they finally decide to bond together, like the men in our community have done, they're going to be able to kill it in bringing in business and building their careers. And I remember stomping out there and being like, what do you mean? Like offended. And I got to tell you, you know what? He was right. This right here is the example of do not, don't mess with any of us. Like, cause there's 19 <laughs> plus another 40 standing behind me. Like, and all of us, like you, you raise that flag and we are there for you and we will figure it out and we'll go get it. And it's been awesome to watch the stories, the careers, the opportunities, the collaborations unfold. Literally on some days it's an hour by hour basis that it is awesome celebrations happening. And I think it's a good reminder too that like our co-author Olivia says, circumstances are neutral. And so our circumstance right now is obviously COVID. And, but that on its face doesn't always have to be a negative thing. And, and what are we going to bring to it? What are we going to take from it? How are we going to take uncertainty? How are we going to take fear? How are we going to use those things as fuel to propel us forward? Yeah, I agree. And I think especially one of the things that must be amazing for that group, I'd love to be a fly on the wall where COVID time is accelerated. And actually I was reading something earlier, which actually had the title COVID time, because it was just a perception of time during this, the last 12 months. It's so different. And all of you must have gone through so many changes. Just the process of writing a book in itself. It must be quite a task and then doing all of the things that you talked about, just thinking through all of the other things that you don't know when you begin and just having someone there, it's amazing. And that's great. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the 84 Broads. Uh, it's such a great book, Jeanette Hansen, for anyone who wants to look at it. Really good read as well. Yep. I, I know we have about three minutes. So actually just as we wrap up and the time has flown by, I just wanted to hear from each of you 
30 seconds or so each. Sherry, uh, you let it to you. You all have your own superpowers. What's the one thing that you would ask of others listening to this? Because I think there's certainly a lot of creativity, a lot of passion out there as well. Uh, and I want to preface this by saying you're all lawyers at one point or another in your time, whether in practice or not. And people think that's a very fixed profession in some way. It's not. You can do a lot. Yeah, what, what's your ask of the audience of all the people that are listening to this? Um, Dora, so yeah. my ask of, okay, my ask of the audience, I would say, let me just start out by saying I came into the legal profession in 1998 and the only thing there was to do was put on your Navy suit, get your pantyhose on with your coach briefcase that you got for graduation and you're heading downtown to a mid-size firm. That was pretty much your trajectory. Now I'm meeting so many new lawyers and law school students and it's a different world. So I don't have to tell them, but I tell people who are in my cohort, my age, I'm 48, and I tell them, Get to know these younger people. This is the next generation and they're doing amazing things. We have someone in our group who started, she couldn't take the bar exam. She, she just started a company. She probably will never take the bar exam. She's not putting the pantyhose on. She has her own tech company now that it's called Gig Law. I would just say, get to know, I never got to know younger people. I was in that managing up sort of corporate world. Get to know everyone. That's been really such a gift. That's my advice, my takeaway. Mine is just stay open and keep connecting. Mine is don't be afraid to step up. Uh, step up in your community. Step up on LinkedIn. Put yourself out there. Yeah, it's scary, but it's worth it. You'll get the dividends in response. And I'm a big advocate for public service in your community. So do what you can. Volunteer for a committee. Help out at a school. Whatever you can do that fits with your interest, there will be some way that you can help. And you'll benefit and your community will benefit from it. I would say you believe in yourself and to not let anyone discourage you. There's power in showing up. There's power in speaking up. You never know who's watching and who's being inspired by you. There's always time to reinvent yourself. And if you want to take a chance on yourself, go ahead and do it because it's the best investment you're ever going to make. I would have to say that while the book is called Network, I don't think you should look at it as people have in terms of traditional networking. I think you should use the word relationship building. And I just think authentic connection and building of relationships is really the key for everything. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate all of you coming on the show. And uh, for anyone else who hasn't read the book yet, uh, it's called Network. You can find it on Amazon. It is a great and recommended read. Debbie, thank, Deb, thanks for organizing this. And everyone have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks for having <laughs> thank us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so thank much. You. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Bye. everyone. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Before you go, please share this with one other person and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. This podcast was produced by me, Abhijat Saraswath. Paula Chrysostomu is the manager for the show and Pretty Saraswath is the content strategist. 
can listen to all the previous episodes and reach out to us at fringelegal.com. Thank you.